This weekly podcast inspires you to step outside of your comfort zone. My name is Zakir Muhammad, and I'm your host of the Living Legacy Podcast. I am a cancer survivor, brand cultivator strategist, author, and world traveler. This Living Legacy Podcast features women of purpose sharing stories of resilience. They are single and married. They are artists and entrepreneurs who run businesses and juggle parenthood. If you are ready to hear interviews about professionalism, entrepreneurship, travel, life, and love, you are in the right place. They will share stories of how they overcame adversity while seeing life through a different lens. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the special series from the Living Legacy Podcast. If this is your first time listening in, my name is Akira. We have been doing a series where we feature Muslim entrepreneurs. So if you have listened to the Living Legacy podcast, you know that we interview women of purpose who share stories of resilience. And the only difference is that they are women of faith. So, so far, I've had the opportunity to interview other Muslims, such as Nimat Rabubi in episode 11. And we talked about what it is like to practice the holy month of Ramadan, as well as book publishing, since she is an author, in episode 20. I got to interview my childhood best friend, Asia, and she is a dietitian slash nutritionist. And then I also got to talk to my mom. So we talked about our book, uh, which is seen life through a different lens. And we talked about what is how much Islam and all religion played a role in uh, saving uh, my life and have, helping us to overcome adversity with resilience. There's a few other episodes if you want to listen and learn more about Islam. I got to interview my dad in episode five. So that is a very long, informative episode if you want to go through that. Previously on this series, I've had the opportunity to talk to Imani Bashir, uh, who is a journalist, Khadija Abdul-Aziz, who is a fashionista slash new memoir author, Daira Al-Jabri, she is a practical Muslim, and Sabria Mills of the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. So we've had a lot of great Muslim women if you want to continue, and we're going to continue that season today with Fauzia Abdul-Ahi. Abdul-Ahi. <laughs> yes, you got that right. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. How, so how is your day so far, and how's, how is everything going with you? Because I know it's been a rough year for a lot of people. Oh, it's been it's been a difficult year. I think 2020 has been challenging, but it's also had its blessings, mashallah. Um, I'm doing great. Um, I just got off of a live. I'm doing this new series where I interview past um, podcast guests. Um, for those of you who don't know, I host my own podcast called Nap Time is Sacred, and I've been doing that for the past few years. So I'm just going back and reconnecting with previous guests of the show. So it's been fun to do that weekly so far. That's great. And that's exactly what your podcast is about. Nap Time is Sacred really features um, other Muslim women from all over yeah. who literally do everything, right? Yes. Yeah. So we've got like authors, we've got businesswomen, we've got um, educators, the whole gamut of um, Muslim women and who are all very diverse and who have a story that they want to share with the world. And I just provide a small space out here in the podcasting world where they can share those stories and their successes and um, you know what they've learned from their um, trials and tribulations as well. Perfect. And so where did the name Nap Time is Sacred come from? So um, when I started the podcast, I had little kids um, who are not so little anymore. But at the time, it was I had some 
elementary school age kids. I had a baby. I was pregnant at one point during this whole process. So it was um, a very challenging time when I, as a mother, as a Muslim mom, was asking myself, I love taking care of everyone, but what am I giving back to myself? And I realized that the only time I had to myself throughout the day was when they were sleeping. And nap time is usually during the day around here. Um, and it just came up, nap time is sacred. It's a name that my husband helped me come up with um, when we first came up with the idea for this podcast. Um, so it's been interesting. Now there's no longer nap times in my house, uh, but I still have that mentality that this is the most sacred mo time that a mom has. That's not midnight when she's trying to decompress that she can actually record and do interviews and things like that. I love that. I love the idea of it because um, I also get the vibe that podcasts are also your kind of soul food as well. So even if you're not physically taking a nap, you're having this hour or so blocked off to kind of refuel yourself anyway. Yes, for sure. It's that time where I feel like I've accomplished something other than motherhood. Like it's a blessing, mashallah, to be able to have kids and to be able to raise them. But at the same time, there's that feeling that as moms, we get that you know, we need time to ourselves to nurture our, our mind and our body and our spirit and to feel like our families are not the only things that we're living for. Absolutely. Now, speaking of podcasting, um, I know that you love us so much that you started a service to help other podcasters get started. You want to tell us more about that? Yeah, so I took this big leap. I'm still nervous about it, but in the spirit of getting out of your comfort zone, I have started um, helping other podcasters, other Muslim women um, produce their shows, which is, it's very difficult for, it was very difficult for me. And I know I'm sure you've gone through the same growing pains as well, of learning all of these things. And the one question I would always get is, how did you do it? So I decided to make it a little bit easier for the next person who's going to start a podcast and provide the service. Well, I can either consult with you and teach you the steps that you need to take, or I can take this headache off of your hands and um, produce the show for you where all you're doing is just recording and I can handle the rest for you. Um, so it's been really interesting. I'm working on my first show now, inshallah, that'll be coming out in the next few months with a group of Muslimas. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I love that. I love that. So definitely, we'll definitely have the links to uh, the service for Naptime is Sacred podcast productions in the show notes, as well as all of the social media links. Now, you by day, are you still a pharmacy technician? No. So um, the hospital that I worked at shut down, which is like kind of weird for other people to hear, like how did a hospital shut down? But here in Texas, hospitals are like all over the place. Um, and the one that I worked at got shut down about a year ago. So I only worked as a pharmacy technician for that one year. Um, but it, it was a really interesting year. I learned a lot about, um, you know, different kinds of medications and patient care and all the things that go into it that we don't necessarily see unless we're just running into the pharmacy to grab our pills. Um, but it, it was an interesting thing to see working in a hospital and seeing how everyone works together. I love that. And, and just a matter of also, uh, it kind of helped to learn everything. I feel like cause I've been an entrepreneur all my life. So uh, most of it, with the exception of, you know, when life happens, you get a job, you know, as need yeah. be. And, but it's interesting when you do work with other companies and you really kind of have your entrepreneur hat on and just see how they operate and how they uh, navigate uh, when it comes time for running your own company. So what do you think you've yeah. learned about entrepreneurship from, you know, working there? I think the sense of independence was really interesting. Like I've 
I've worked from home since I had my firstborn in uh, different kind of capacities, mostly as a virtual assistant, where I could control the work that I was accepting, um, the price that I was getting for it, um, and the times that I needed to work. But having to be at a place at a certain time that was um, set up by someone else, and then I think in because it's a hospital setting, there's a lot of rules that are there for patient care. So it was really a big um, change of mindset for me, which was really difficult because when you go from being an entrepreneur or being a freelancer and you're working from the comfort of your own home or your own business, um, you don't have to really think about how every interaction that you have or every step that you take um, can impact someone's life. Um, as a pharmacy technician, I had to be very, very conscious of every step that I took, um, every put, pill that I put in a dispenser, every um, you know typo that is on a um, you know on the computer. All of those things can make a huge difference in patient care. So that mindset was really interesting for me. How detail oriented that I had to become because really, if I made a mistake, someone could get hurt. So I think that was the biggest change of mindset that happened. You know, being my own business, taking care of the things that I need to take care of. A typo in someone's email wasn't going to necessarily have the same effect as me putting in a wrong number for a dosage or something like that, or, you know, the wrong, putting the wrong pill in. So that was a very big change of mindset for me and having to become way more detailed oriented than I had to be normally. I love that. Yeah, it's definitely important, especially um, in the online world, especially nowadays mm -hmm. where, you yeah. know, one wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to censor yourself all the time. I want to kind of talk about, you know, personal growth and also uh, your personal experiences. So what have your experiences been like growing up as a Black Muslim? So um, I grew up in Canada, um, which is, I mean, to me growing up there, it wasn't bad. Um, I didn't go through a lot of adversities that I could remember as a kid. None of the things where I would show up to a classroom and I would be the only black kid or I would show up to an event and I'd be the only black kid or the only black woman. Um, I didn't have to go through that. There was a lot more diversity in the communities that I grew up in. Um, but there's, it's not always the utopia that people who are in America or other countries make Canada out to be. There's still that institutional racism. There's still those biases. There's a lot of things that you don't see that sometimes do pop up. But I think um, having grown up there, I have learned that, you know, I grew up a lot more comfortable than I am right now in America growing up, um, raising my kids to grow up as American Muslim kids. They face a lot more than I do. So I'm growing with them in that phase of their life and trying to navigate those waters a lot more than um, the communities that I grew up in and the experiences that I had, um, which weren't that bad. I mean, honestly, there's always things that you learn about growing up in certain areas or things like that. Like, you know, you become street smart in different ways and you learn to deal with the biases that come with that. But it hasn't been as much as my growth right now um, as a mom raising um, biracial kids who are half African and half uh, South Asian. Um, so it's been really interesting to, to see that as well. And I feel like that's a great segue to talk about how has it been with 16 years of marriage and, and not only marriage itself, but um, I feel like there's also different stigma around Muslim marriages as well as interracial marriages. So how has all of that been for you? It's not as hard as people make it out to be, I think, especially for my age group. Um, God, I'm going to age myself really bad here, but I'm going to be turning 37 soon, inshallah. 
and it's it's been interesting. I've grown up in uh, outside of my home country, which is Somalia, for the majority of my life. I haven't lived there since I was about three or four years old. Um, so my culture um, and the things that the person that I am has a lot to do with secondhand knowledge and learning about my culture through my parents, through my relatives, through stories. And I think the same is can be said for my husband as well, who was born and raised in America. So we didn't have that where our two cultures are so um, prominent in our daily lives that it would, be it would become difficult to mix them and to learn about each other's cultures. I grew up in a Desi community as well, in a, in a predominantly South Asian massages. Um, you know, when you go to the MSA events and all those kind of things, it's predominantly Arab and South Asian. Um, I went to an Islamic school from eighth grade to graduating high school, which is predominantly Desi. So it wasn't a big culture shock. Um, but I will say that you have to be a flexible person. Um, you also have to realize that the marriage, it goes beyond you, that there's two families that also need to become blended and that you're going to be raising children who are trying to form three identities. They're um, you know, their mother's identity, their father's identity, as well as the identity of the country and the culture of the country that they're growing up in. Um, so being um, open to the idea of being flexible and how you do things doesn't necessarily have to look like how other families do it. This conversation has been sponsored by Libsyn, which is a hosting podcast provider, and also by the Nap, Nap Time is Sacred podcasting production. So be sure to check that out and definitely get tell your story. Your story needs to be heard and told. Are you ready to start your own podcast? Now is the best time for you to share your story. Your story needs to be told. Sign up with my promo code LEGACY at signup.libsyn.com to get 45 days of free hosting. That means this month and next month free. So visit signup.libsyn.com and use promo code LEGACY. Yeah, I think it definitely um, has a great mesh, a great cultural mesh also. Not only is the Islamic or Muslim community like that, where they yeah. literally... It's not just African-Americans, it's not just Africans who are Muslim, it's literally people of all ethnicities um, who are. And so that's a great um, mesh of, you know, having them to really learn and even overcome adversity with resilience. Because even yeah. for me, when I did attend one year of a summer school, but I did attend a summer camp, it was just different because people were kind of looking at me like, what are you? You know, because they see my mom and dad and then they see me and then they're like, so. Uh, what are you exactly? Just because I have a Muslim name, just because I practice the religion of Islam, yep. you know, doesn't make me any different from you. Yeah, that's so true. People think that um, that our identities are so different, but I think, especially when you grow up in Muslim households, a lot of the values and traditions we have are not necessarily from our individual cultures, but they're from Islamic cultures. And um, once you get past that skin color or skin tone, it becomes really evident that we share that one basic culture. Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's definitely the most important part of that. Uh, it's not about color, it's not about color at all. <laughs> Now, um, I guess speaking of, let's move on to women's health, uh, ovarian cancer awareness, polycystic awareness, all the, uh, you know, menstrual, yeah. uh, uh, this, yeah. you know, syndrome that we all have. So you want to talk yeah. about your experience? Yeah. So um, I experienced secondary infertility. Um, that basically means that I was, I had kids pr previously. 
Um, and then when it came to trying to conceive later on, um, I was unable to right away. Um, and that comes from a lot of different reasons, uh, mainly it was because I was very vitamin D deficient. I had miscarriages, um, which led to miscarriages. I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease where basically my thyroid gland is attacking um, itself, thinking that it's a foreign agent and just trying to uh, you know, kill it off, which led to a lot of things like fatigue and um, you know, things like anxiety and hair loss and um, dental issues. Also, it's a whole gamut of symptoms that you can find with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Um, and there's also another version of the same autoimmune disease, which is, is called Graves' disease, which is instead of in Hashimoto's where your thyroid is hypoactive, it's hyperactive in Graves' disease, um, which is another thyroid autoimmune disease that a lot of people also experience infertility and other symptoms with it. Um, so that was a period of my life that I went through that was difficult because previous to that, I didn't have a lot of major health issues. Um, and it took doctors a long time to figure out all of these connections and what happened. Alhamdulillah, able to conceive um, my youngest child who's five years old. And, um, you know, in spite of all those miscarriages and things like that, I think I just, I always continue to make dua that Allah would make the situation easier and that we would be able to have a healthy and happy child. Um, and Alhamdulillah, back in 2015, we were blessed with our son. And it's been, it's been great to be able to parent him. And I think we've grown as parents as well. Our kids are now 14, 12, 9, and our youngest is 5. Um, so, like, we're parenting at different ages. So that's been really interesting. Yeah, definitely. It, it also kind of helps you to kind of uh, be more appreciative of, of the fertility journey. One, because it's not easy at all. But two, one. No, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I think, when you go through a difficulty like that, any health difficulty, um, but especially one that leads you to believe that you may not be able to conceive ever again, or if you don't have previous children, you're unable to conceive at all. It really takes a mental and an emotional toll um, on you as the, as the mom-to-be or as the spouse who's taking on the emotional workload of trying to help you come to terms with maybe this is a possibility that's never going to happen. Um, and if it does happen, and you do end up getting pregnant, dealing with the anxiety and the stress of, will you be able to carry to term, especially if you had previous miscarriages and just being hyper vigilant of every single move and act that you do because you're so worried that you're going to have to relive those painful moments again. Um, so I always try to tell people who are going through this to be so gentle with yourself, to be mindful of you know, not only what you're putting into your body, but the emotions that are surrounding your house as well and the people that you interact with, um, to be very mindful of that because that takes a toll on you mentally and emotionally. And this is a time to kind of cut down as much of the stresses as possible. Um, so you can relax enough to be able to, um, you know, take care of your mind and your body and your spirit and your gut health and all those things that inshallah will help you be able to conceive. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of great tips, relatable tips as well, as I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I want to come to a, a part in the podcast where we kind of ask kind of fun questions, but also questions that people could kind of uh, learn from. So I know you love reading, but yes, maybe just give me three of either your favorite books or your highly recommended books at the moment. It could be on anything, podcasting, life, 
Islam, anything. <laughs> yeah, so I, and this comes as a surprise to people, um, especially being a Muslim woman, but I read a lot of romance novels and some of my favorite authors are um, Sandra Brown, uh, Catherine Coulter, Nora Roberts. Um, and I read a lot of, I think I'm pretty much, I think two of them have a new books out, but I've been reading those series uh, for years and years. Um, so anything that they've written, I've really loved. I don't have a favorite book. I try to read a bunch of different types of stories and different authors. Um, I'm not a really big fan of nonfiction, but I did recently read um, Sister Linda Sarsour's book, I'm Not Here to Be a Bystander, um, which was a memoir of her story. I've got it right here on my desk. Um, we did a podcast together recently, um, and this is her book. Um, and it was really interesting to read. And I'm not one for biographies or memoirs or things like that. Um, but seeing her social media and her activism, I felt compelled to read this book and it did not disappoint at all. So I would definitely recommend if you're into nonfiction or that you wanna like, you know, dip your toes in the nonfiction world, that's one definitely to read. And I've got a couple of other books here as well. Let's see, one that I'm currently working on is Muslim Cool. Um, and this is by Suad Abdul Kabir. Um, and it's just about, you know, race, religion, it says right here, and hip hop, and just, you know, meshing all of them together. Um, I wish I could read, I wish I could reach the rest of my bookshelf over here. But I'm trying to diversify uh, my collection and getting more Muslim women's books. Um, I just did an interview with a children's, novel, uh, children's uh, writer, Rahma Rada. She was on a previous episode of my podcast. Um, and she writes diverse children's stories. So uh, I try to read and create that bookshelf that is very diverse, not just a romance, romance written by white women, but like all these different creative black women stories as well. Absolutely. Yeah, those are great book recommendations. Um, if you definitely want to learn more about not only Islam, but also the struggles in America, I could tell. Just from yeah, yeah. So Linda is a Palestinian American and her story is very interesting to read. So I'm, I'm proud to always read and support other Muslim women's books. Absolutely. I love that. Okay, so here's my next fun question for you. Um, when this is all over, where is the first place you want to travel to? Oh my gosh. So I was supposed to go to London with my sisters <laughs> and I actually had it on my calendar. Like I didn't have any flights booked or anything, but I had like a 10 minute reminder on my phone that was like, don't forget you're going to London. And I had my sister's names on it. And that was, I mean, I didn't purchase a ticket or anything because between planning it and then all of this pandemic happening, it never came to fruition. Um, but I think I kind of want to see London. I haven't been um, outside of Heathrow Airport. I've always just been in transit, like going, if I was going back to, um, you know, one time when I was younger, we went to Kenya. So I wanted to, you know, go back to London. I would really love to see, um, you know, my grandparents, um, both of my grandparents are, uh, my, both of my grandmothers are still alive. They're going through health difficulty. So I would, inshallah, um, I make dua that Allah heals them and that we have an opportunity to see each other again. I haven't seen them for Gosh, like and where are they? 10 years. They're both in Somalia. Okay. Um, so I really want to go back and connect with my family over there. Having grown up here for the majority of my life, meeting cousins and grandparents and aunts and uncles that I've never gotten to meet is very important. And shall I hope that I get to do that soon. I hope you do too. <laughs> and I think the last question of this fun series is what do you want your legacy to be? 
That's a hard one. Um, I think my legacy is always tied to that of other Muslim and Black Muslim women. And I want to have been able to provide them with a space to be their authentic selves, um, to share their stories as they would like it told um, from another Muslim woman and to have that platform where they feel comfortable and safe and secure and they can share their struggles and they can share their triumphs and all those things without the stigma of just being a black woman or just being a Muslim woman, but as a human being who has gone through um, difficulties in life, but has also um, become out a better person on the other end. Um, so I want my legacy to be, um, you know, tied very closely to other Muslim women, um, whether it's in the form of the podcast, whether it's the form of other interview mediums, um, but to have that platform as Nap Time is Sacred, as Fozia, where it's a place for Muslim women to gather and celebrate one another. I love that. And I feel like you're, you're already there, especially for being on my podcast, the Living Legacy Podcast, which is inspired by uh, my book called Seeing Life Through a Different Lens, but Overcoming Adversity with Resilience. So you definitely touch on all of that. And I appreciate you being here. Now, for those who are audio listeners, um, you want to tell them where we can find you on the web. Of course, we'll also leave it in the show notes. You want to just tell uh, people where they can find you on the web and on social media. Awesome. Um, so I'm looking forward. I see your back, uh, your book in the background. Um, so inshallah, I'm going to get my copy soon as well um, and add that to my collection. So inshallah, for those of you who are listening in the audio format, um, my podcast is called Nap Time is Sacred. Um, and you can find me at naptimeissacred.com. All my socials are at naptimeissacred. Um, and the podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, which is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places you can find the podcast, inshallah. So I'm really looking forward to you guys tuning in and subscribing. Um, if you do tune in, please do leave a review um, and uh, inshallah help us grow and reach out to more Muslim women. Awesome. Yes, it does. And I'm excited to have been on your show and to learn a little bit more about you. It's it's different for me to be on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> I'm the only one usually doing the interview. So it's been a great experience. Thank you so much for having me on. Let's keep the conversation going. Follow us on social media at Living Legacy Podcast. Leave a comment, introduce yourself, and tell us how the podcast has inspired you. Thank you for listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and download so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. That's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R. Com. Do you have any suggestions on a topic you want to be talked about? Send me an email or leave them in a review. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends.